So once again, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. We are in uh, the midst of Lent, that season from Ash Wednesday to Easter, 40 days minus Sundays, that's meant as a preparation, as a self-examination, a, a look inward as to as to uh, how we're doing in our Christian life, holding up a mirror to ourselves, and And it takes humility. It's a hard work. Nobody likes to know the things that you're not good at. Uh, that's that's part of that sin nature within us. We it's we can easily lie to others, but we we lie mostly to ourselves about who we are. And uh, and so I hope over these weeks uh, that you will join with that open heart, open mind to to be honest in our evaluation of that. When I when I put these series together, I do that a number of weeks or even months out and and so I don't really know where we're going to be and stuff and a couple of things that sort of coincidences this year. I didn't do it on purpose, but last week we began with racism and prejudice and this week we're doing anger and um there was some anger last week, and so I hope this will minister to you uh, in that, um, right? Uh, really, though, I uh, did receive uh, thank you for all of you that, that sent encouragement for me for that. That's very much appreciated. Um, but the other thing is, so I'm preaching on anger, and I've had about the most angry week I've had in a long time in my own life, right? And it's funny to me how I find that happens over and over that when I'm going to preach on something and I'm thinking about something, how the spotlight just comes to my badly broken heart and says, you are the man, right? You're the one uh, that, that needs this the most. We've been going through AV stuff and everything, and it's just been frustrating. Parts didn't come in. They didn't do a good job of installing things that were working before aren't working now. They've left and are, we're trying to get them back. They're gaslighting me the whole time saying, well, we didn't mess anything up. You all must have done so. I just, and by Thursday afternoon, I was boiling. <laughs> and I mean, if you would have showed up or walked in my office, very likely I would have punched you right in the mouth for no reason. <laughs> Kick a dog or just something, right? And, and I, was, I, just, I went in my office and just closed the door uh, and, and just to protect the staff from my, my wrath, right? And, and while I'm sitting, I just... I know what I'm going to be preaching on and stuff, and and I just started evaluating my own thought. I'm like, what am I doing? This, this, my blood pressure is raised. I'm I'm breathing hard. I I, I physically want to hurt something. I, there's just this visceral reaction inside of me. And at the end of the day, what's it helping? I'm not changing anything. The guys at the company are not going, oh, I feel bad that David's angry. They're going, this jerk needs to quit calling us, right? That, but I just, I, I had, why, why do we do that? And I'm not the only one that deals with anger in this room. I think all of us deal with anger. And let, let's just be honest, we live in an angry society. It, I mean, it's, it's our natural, it, it's our national pastime to be angry. About everything and everyone to just rant and, and go rail against the darkness and just 
the rancor and the, the name calling and the hatred. It, it's not surprising. It's, it's who we are. It's part of that sin nature. And, and, you know, a lot of times our anger is based on our pride and our ego. That anytime somebody says something uh, that we don't like, we've got to prove them wrong. I've talked about Enneagrams before. If you're familiar with Enneagrams, you'll know this. But Enneagrams are a different way of classifying different personality types. I'm an eight, which is an aggressive person, and a, uh, the the leader always. And if if there's a vacuum for leadership, I'll step in to tell you the right way to do it because you were doing it wrong before. That's me. And and for they're divided into triads as to what the base motivation, the negative base motivation is for different personality groups. And there's three that they talk about. Shame is one of them. Fear is one of them. And anger is one of them. I happen to be in the anger triad, which means that anytime something goes wrong, I'm coming back at you aggressively to tell you exactly what you should do and shouldn't do and scare you enough to you don't do that again. Not the best way to pastor or be a spouse or be a dad or be a friend. But like I said, I'm not the only one in the room. Even if you're not part of the anger triad, even if that's not your main emotion, we all deal with anger. Anytime something gets on our nerves, and we all know what that feels like to just feel your blood beginning to boil, right? We even have adages for it. My blood was born. I blew my top. There's all these adages we have it when anger starts to, to go. And here's the deal. Anger's never really solved anything. And let me just give you a, a, a precursor beforehand. Um, whenever we preach on on stuff that hits home, everyone likes to deflect and stuff and, and rationalize. And so somebody's going to come up to me and go, well, you know there's righteous anger in the Bible. And yes, there is. Uh, but here's a deal. In order to have righteous anger, you need to be righteous. Okay? Jesus had righteous anger that didn't hurt anyone but pointed people to God, being a jerk is not righteous anger, right? And so let's let's put aside the righteous anger. That's a sermon for another time. Let's talk about anger and what that means for us. Let's start with a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Right? A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make temper flare. It, it, whenever we are in relationship, conflict, anger, all those kind of things are going to be a part of every relationship. And, and we, we have a choice in every relationship. We are, we, we are the height of God's creation, right? We have His Spirit within us. And for those of us who are following Jesus and made Him our Savior, we, we also have the power of His Holy Spirit living within us. 
And so the things that come natural should no longer come naturally to us. We are able to, we have a choice in whether we're going to take the bait in a conversation or, or, and argue. Are, are we going to, are we going to sort of crumple our hands so that we're not able to accept any of that and keep our hand close to not hold on to any of that? But then, the other choice is also with a closed fist, and that's to strike out. And that's what this proverb is saying. You can a, a, a harsh answer is just a, a smack in the face. You're just trying to start a fight, right? And I, I think there's a part of the population, much of the I mean, cable news is just always trying to start a fight. Right? The, the anger, the viciousness that's, that's a part of that and our political drama and all of that. It's just, it's just wanting to argue. Right? Gentle answer deflects anger. If you don't take the, that's a way to calm the temper or you can throw gasoline on it. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. I was going to say all my hot-tempered people raise their hand, but that's not. You know, <laughs> you don't have to confess that in front of your brothers and sisters this morning. But for those of us that have that, right? It, it, in a very real way, think of fire, and uh, the the image of fire is important for us in this thing about anger, heat, redness. Violence, right? In, in James chapter, in James, uh, he talks about the tongue and the danger of the tongue, or the duality of the tongue. The same tongue that we use to praise the Lord, we also use to burn somebody down in a relationship. Since so it, it can start a forest ablaze, right? Our tongues, it's a, it's another choice. We can, we can either lash out at somebody and, and we all know what it feels like to just be burned down in a relationship by somebody's tongue or anger. Parents, this is this is one of those things and you can't take it back once it's out, right? And and when we when when anger and rage is going or, or on our spouse when when we without control on that, we do damage to people. We we're like arsonists in our own relationships. Right? We just, we, we burn them up and then we wonder why our kids don't want to talk to us or why they won't confide in us because we have done damage. And, and here's the deal. They say you have to do at least, you have to say at least 20 things to make up for one hateful thing said. But any of us that have been hurt knows it's a lot more than that because that one will live with you for a long time. A hot tempered person doesn't care about that. Who wants to start a fight? Ego says, I, I, I demand to be heard. My, I'm so important, I don't care about the collateral damage around me. It's the cool-tempered people that stop them. Paul says it several times in the New Testament. One of them is in Romans chapter 12. Do everything within your power to live at peace with one another. Cool-temperedness is actually... <laughs> What we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be the fire starters. We're supposed to be the firemen that put it out. We're not supposed to elevate the drama. We're, we're meant to tamp down. 
the drama. That, that's, that's what godly behavior looks like. Let's, let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to be in verse 23 of chapter 2. Timothy, 1 2 Timothy, two letters written by Paul to his young protege, Timothy, a young leader in the church who was, uh, Paul writes him a couple times to, to give him advice and wisdom of how to be a godly leader. And so it's, it's in that context, but that doesn't excuse, a lot of times people will say, well, 2 Timothy is for pastors and Christian leaders. Well, it is, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and have been baptized, you're a Christian leader. You, you are, you have been ordained into the ministry of Christ. And so whether it's a leader in your family, a leader at work, a leader in your own life, all of us are called to be Christian leaders. And so let's, let's listen to Paul's uh, Paul's wisdom on this subject to his, his young friend Timothy. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we, as we look at this, Paul starts off and he says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. They only start fight. We fight over stuff. I mean, number one, let's just admit, 90% of what we fight over doesn't make a bit of difference. 15 minutes from now, it's not going to be a big deal, right? It's, it's just, it, my other thing would say, what fights are not foolish and ignorant, right? What, what other quarrels are, are not, but let's give it a bit of, Let's say it is something important, uh, some moral thing or something of importance. How how much is anger changing the situation? How what what good is coming out of foolish, nonsensical arguments? How 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 much change and transformation is happening because you're you're angry at this? And you're ranting about it. The only person that we're doing damage to is ourselves and those who love us and have to put up with us. Again, we're burning down relationships all for the benefit of our own ego to be, oh, I'm important. Listen to my opinion. The anger is not changing anything, right? We, 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 we go on and on over these these subjects and and get in each other's face and at the end of the day nothing's changing fighting isn't going to solve anything don't get caught up in that there's there's so many i mean i hate to break it to those of you that love to put memes and stuff on instagram and facebook especially of a political nature you're not changing anybody's mind you know that, right? 
You're just, you're adding to the chaos and the noise. And the ones who like it live in your little bubble. And so you get the, you get the, uh, bias of, oh, good job. You told them. But there's not one person that reads those and goes, you know what? I've been wrong all this time. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we're, we're constantly trying to prove ourselves. You need to read this book. You need to watch this video. You need to da 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 and, and I've watched the video 17 times. I think it's garbage. I, I've read that book. I don't respect the author, right? I, but why do we keep going back and forth? It's foolish. It, we, we keep trying the same thing, and, and nothing changes. Uh, we can be honest here. We, conflict and anger is a part of being married, right? Are we going to be? Okay, thank you. The choir's with me on this. The rest of you are all liars, but right, it's a part. Lori and I have been married thirty-eight years. We have our, our. The other day, I was talking to a young man. He's been married three years. And he was talking about, and, and his comment was, "You know what? My wife and I, we just have the same fight over and over and over." And I said, "I hate to break it to you." But Lori and I have been married 38 years. We still fight about the same thing over and over and over. Right? It's, it starts in different ways and it, and, and it may be triggered by different ways, but at the end of the day, it's the same base argument we just keep having. It's, it's, it's like a, a record player that just every once in a while the needle gets put down and, and it starts playing again. And for those of you under 30, that's an old, uh, uh ancient device. That they put these discs on, and then you would, right? And 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 the record just start, and we just join in the chorus, and here we go again, right? It 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 just repeated, just with the idea that we're doing good in that. I mean, at the moment, that anger seems like it it's 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 important for us to to make sure but we're not we're anger it never has attracted anyone anger repels people right and that's where paul goes with this let's keep in mind for paul and i hope for any of us who call ourselves christian the number one part of christianity is not only receiving the grace and mercy of jesus christ and the forgiveness that is given by his uh, life death and resurrection it's not just us receiving that but that it's about us sharing that and inviting other people into the relationship with god that we didn't deserve that he gave us and they don't deserve that but he he will give it to them if they desire it as well that's our number one mission. That's for Paul that was the 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 main motivation of his entire ministry. He wanted people to know Jesus. He wanted them to experience the transformation that he himself had gone through. And so that's why he says, don't get in the stupid fights. Don't just quarrel. A, a, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. 
justly extract those who oppose the truth. I mean, this is so different from... Um, I get so angry with, with, with the whole angry Christian thing that, that we think that our hatred and our, and our yelling and our accusation and our pushing against, when we think that's going to make a difference in the world. And those are not godly, those are not godly ways of life. No, instead, gently instruct those who oppose the truth and have patience and kindness. It, no one ever reacts great to being told you're doing something wrong. Right? For so long, I've been hearing for the last year and a half, you never preach about anything but love. You never preach about anything about love. You never so last week I preached about sin. And it made some people mad. A lot of them, the same people that were telling me, you need to preach about sin. I guess I didn't hit the right one. (laughs) What that means usually is you need to tell those people what they need to hear. Right? Because guess what? Anytime somebody gets in your kitchen, you're not going to like it either. If you're really worried about the, the future of the world, if you're really worried about the future of our, our nation, if you're really worried about the future of our young adults and, and our children, the last thing we need to do is push them away. The church has done a good enough job on that for the last 50 years. And it's why in the emerging generations, they're not interested in what we, the game we play here. They they look at us and say, if if the hateful Christian thing is what this is about, no thank you. Now, if it's about Jesus and how Jesus led and following him and making a difference in the world, I'm I'm in on that. That everyone loves Jesus. But how did we get into this thing where righteousness means being angry all the time? That's just not it's not Number one, that's not what God did to you, is it? It's, it's not what he did to me. It was with gentleness and kindness that he, he, he captured my soul and pointed out in me the, the things that need to be changed and continues to point out in me the things that are changed. But that was never by anger and it was never by yelling. It was never by name calling. Well, there was name calling. It was, you're my son. I love you. Why, why, do, why are we so willing to accept that for ourselves, but unwilling to give it towards others? In this, in this whole idea of, of, of sharing our faith, you're never, just like you're not going to change somebody with a, a meme on Facebook, you're also not going to change anybody's mind by yelling at them and tell them how, what, what a sinner they are. Have you ever heard about uh, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I mean, every one of us will reject when somebody pushes on us too hard. And, and, and I'm not saying we compromise our faith, our truth, or anything like that. Here's the deal. I believe in a God that has all power and might. And I believe that, that despite our sinfulness, and, and, and I, I get tired of hearing, you know, if we don't stand up, this nation, the church is going down. No, I'm sorry, I read the book. I know the ending. 
We win. Truth wins. Hope wins. Love wins. Are we going to be a part of it? Are we going to sit on the sidelines criticizing everything? Love wins. There's nothing in here about anger of people bringing the the redemption of the world about. It's the love of God manifest through Jesus Christ in His truth and justice that will make all things new. And Jesus loved you while you were a sinner. You can love others while they're sinners as well. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Be kind to everyone. I I just don't know when kindness became a bad thing. I, I just don't know. So why? Why for all of that? Here you get, you're about to get Paul's motivation. We do this not to allow sin and not to enable sin and not to give permission and be a part of the problem. No, we do it so, next verse, perhaps, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. And then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. That's Paul's motivation. I want people to know God so much, I'm willing to put my ego aside and and love them into the kingdom. As I said, if you're worried about the direction of the world, the worst thing we can do is tell the people that you're worried about and tell those that you, you think aren't in the kingdom of heaven. The worst thing we can do is put a blockade for the church for them because the church is the hope of the world. This needs to be the place where everyone is welcome. No matter what, you're welcome here. Your sin's different than mine, but we're both sinners. Welcome. We're a bunch of sinners here. We're all re- we're we're redeemed by Christ and we're working in it, but we at heart are still sinners. That the whole motivation. Why don't we argue? Why don't we do it? Why don't we come in fighting all the? Because that's not that's not the way Jesus did it. Do everything you can to live at peace with one another. To not be a hot temper. Be the cool temper. To not burn down the relationship just because of our ego and pride, but to use our tongue. You came to know Jesus relationally. Someone introduced you. Someone told you. You had an experience. You were at camp. And somehow you met the living Lord and it transformed you. The model of Jesus of ministry was inviting uh, some some knuckleheads to come follow him for three years and, and become friends with them. And that friendship has changed the entire trajectory uh, of the world since then. We're called to be in relationship with one another, to love people, to help. God's love, but I hate you. Right? That that's not that's not effective evangelism. We must learn how to love one another. This, this is how we, this, that whole idea of loving our enemies, this is what that looks like. It's not going up to them, giving them a hug and say, oh, we're best friends. That's not what you want to do with your enemy. But it's, it's 
recognizing that they're a human being that God loves as well, and he wants a relationship with them as badly as he wants one with you, and we're called to enable that, not hinder that. To be the light in the darkness. To be the ambassador of the good news. And he says, perhaps, when we do that, perhaps, perhaps, God will take our offering, our sacrifice, if you will, that sacrifice of biting our tongue, that sacrifice of not saying everything that comes to our mind, that sacrifice of not getting even. He'll take that sacrifice and perhaps someone who was lost in darkness will see the light. Says that they'll be rescued from Satan's trap. You know, there is a spiritual battle that goes on all around us. Evil against good, and there's different ways people talk about that and different names that we use and stuff, but the fact of the matter is evil is fighting against good. And if you are not for Jesus, you're against him. Don't let your anger move you from being an ambassador to Christ to being an agent of the enemy. We want to be used in a way that rescues people from darkness, not convinces them they're in the best place anyway. Anger. It just, it, it, it does no good. Now, practically, how, how do we, what's, what can we do to begin to change this? Because this isn't something like you go, man, that was just so insightful, David. I'm going to change the way I live now and walk out and everybody's healed of their anger. That's not going to work, right? So I'm not a counselor, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to offer you three little thoughts, simple thoughts. Um, Number one, when you find yourself in those situations when your blood's beginning to boil, when you're, when you're, when you just, you're, you're at the table and you and your, you can feel the energy. Time out, right? Like I went in my office, closed the door, just protect myself and others from, from my right, right? Uh, other people will count to 10, take some deep breaths, count to 10, leave the room, whatever it is, but reset the conversation. Remember, it's a, it's a, it's a reaction. Anger is a reactive thing. And so you got to put some space in there to move from your gut reaction and, and allow your, your, your mental process to kick in and allow the, the, the spirit of God to, to calm you down, right? So number one, reset the situation. Number two, the work that God wants to do in us is transformative and redemptive. And it's an ongoing process. We call it sanctification. It's that being made holy like God is holy. And that's a journey. That's, that's the process from the time that we received the, the righteousness of Christ and we, we made him our Lord and Savior. The sanctifying grace is at work with us until he returns or we go to see him. That, that, that whole process, it's a continual thing. And so if anger is something that you deal with, be honest with God and begin to pray for yourself that he would begin to change your heart and your mind in that. Those are, that's what God wants from us. 
That faith to trust that we can be so trusting with him and he loves us so very much that even the worst of us, he already knows it anyway, but even the worst of it, we, we place it on the altar for him and say, can you, can you change this? Because let's be honest, like I said, you can't just will this out of your life. It, it's going to take a transformation. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in us. The third thing, if there's a particular person or situation that you are angry about, I encourage you to pray for them by name. Right? This is what Jesus means when he says, I tell you, love your enemies. He doesn't mean you have to get walked over and, and hurt by them over and over again. But we move from being angry and wanting to see them hurt to praying for them. And I'll tell you for myself, the way this looks, it, it, it's a long process. It doesn't happen like this, but the way it starts is, God, I, I know you, you told me I need to love and forgive. And I know that's what you did for me. But when I think of this person, I don't see myself ever being able to get there. But will you do the work in me to get me there? And just that honesty and just that process begins to to give God permission and space for the thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives anyway, which is make us more like God, uh, make us more holy as Jesus is holy, right? And here's here's the other thing: you you will be amazed that that your hatred towards that person, your anger at that person, it's really hard to maintain anger and hatred for somebody you're praying diligently for. Because one of the things the Spirit begins to do is help you to see them the way God sees them. A lot of times our anger and stuff allows us to dehumanize people, and they become less than. And so that gives us permission to treat them however we want. But remember, they were created in the image of God as well, and He loves them just as much as He loves you. Anger, it's a difficult thing. It gets in the way. Do you believe in the power of God, the grace of God, the plans of God? Are, do you have big enough faith in a God that to be convinced that we're not the ones that need to change the world? But He, he will by love through us. That's that's the miracle of the good news of the gospel. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, man, you are so patient with us and so kind to us, and we certainly don't deserve it. Would you help us, number one, to 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 give thanks to you over and and, and recognize and own the fact that that we're no better than anyone else. And then God, would you, would you, would you begin to transform us from the inside out? Just change the way we think about one another. Change the way we, we look at people or situations. Help us, God, in you is truth and justice and those are never separated. And so we're, we don't want, we don't want to, 
cheapen your word or, or change truth, but there's a way that we can hang on to those and still love others because that's exactly what you've done for us. As your servant, the psalmist David said, God, look in my heart, and if there's anything in there that's disdainful to you, pluck it out. We all have that root inside of us, that, and it's like a cancer cell, and if we're not careful, it just it goes aggressive and it begins to take over our whole being. And you're known as the great physician, so we just ask you to do heart surgery on us this morning. Give us a new heart, God. We pray that in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.